This is Simply Cyber. Welcome, everybody. Today is Tuesday, November 1st. This is episode number 231 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories. What it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize this at work today? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get asked in your interviews, how do you stay current? This is a fantastic answer. Before we get into that, though, I want to give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive damage and massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Hey, Nathan Bolin, good to see you. Guys, want to tell you about Recon InfoSec also. Recon InfoSec's Managed Detection and Response, MDR, is the acronym you may know it as. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Their MDA service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR and customers gain full visibility into their own environment as well as any incident investigations being worked by the recon SOC. If you have an MDR service provider and all they do is send alerts to you, which is basically the same thing that a SIM would have done and you just don't need a human to do it, that's not really MDR because that's not really actually delivering any value to you as an organization. Recon InfoSec's MDR, little bit different. Security company run by security people. It's all about risk reduction, people. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So that's two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. Hashtag team live. Hashtag team replay if you're on replay. It's literally the easiest way to document, and I would argue the most enjoyable way, how you get your CPEs. Now, if you are live, 
Love it, love it, love it. You're in for a treat because we are raffling off Try Hack Me vouchers later today. Looks like there's 74 of us currently in chat. This is good. If you are on replay, hit a hashtag team replay in the chat, in the comments. Thanks for catching the stream. If you're listening on your audio podcast app of choice, I don't really pump the tires on this too much, but you can get this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major podcast media outlets. You can grab it. Thanks, Shane Hines, for the squad membership. Guys, if you're here for the news, well, we're going to get to the news in a few minutes, but if you're on replay, you can jump ahead. But if you're just... Um, if you're if if you're live with us, we're gonna spend the next couple minutes hanging out, having a good time, and uh, you know, saying what's up. So let me do that really quickly. As I change the music here, lower the audio down, and welcome my friends into chat. Let me pull you up here, Jeremy Williams. Was this a gifting? Jeremy Williams gifting five squad subs. Thank you, Jeremy Williams. Very very nice of you. If you're one of the recipients of that squad membership. Be sure to give Jeremy a high five and take full advantage of all the squad emotes, just like this one. I love Nist. This is so true. I do love Nist. All right, guys. How's everybody doing? I see Carrie's in here talking about Jabber Jaws. Allison Van Stone, good morning. Good to see you. John Senor, good to see you. Just passed his CISP research. Nice job. Way to win. Way to win. Tanisha, good to see you, Tanisha. Over on the restream. Hey, hey, Joseph Emmanuel Anahor. Brandon Douglas with the squad support. Good to see you. Tom Bishop throwing coffee at everyone. You get coffee. You get coffee. Uh, Steve G hasn't been active in Discord. But that's for Aaron to get. Gaming with the cat in the house. Coming strong. Coming correct. Hey, JLG. Good to see you. Good morning to you. Hey, Calvin. Good to see you. Cyberflower. Taught at the Citadel this morning. Did my best, guys. This week, I'm talking about policy. And you know I'm a GRC honk. But... I, I've got to, uh, I, I do, I did my best to make policy exciting. We talked about, um, you know, how you can like sneak into the club uh, because you can walk by the bouncer confidently. Uh, that's circumventing policy, but we can hack policy. It doesn't have to be dry paperwork all the time. All right, guys, we're at six minutes. So let me jump over to the news. I hope you guys are feeling ready to rock on this Tuesday morning. Sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Remember, halfway point, we're raffling Try Hack Me vouchers. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Threat Group rides antivirus software to install malware. Researchers at Kaspersky discovered the China-based threat group Cicada targeting Japanese organizations. The group used a spear phishing email to prompt the install of the legitimate K7 security suite. However, it also included a malicious DLL to install its custom load info backdoor. Because Cicada effectively uses a legitimate security app to sideload the DLL, other security apps may not detect it. Targeted organizations span across media groups, diplomatic agencies, and public sector organizations, indicating the group plans to use the backdoor for cyber espionage. Oh, yeah. Nice. Spear phishing, cyber espionage. Yeah, it's good. I was getting the raffle ready, so I did miss part of this story, unfortunately. Um, but I guess what I want to point out is they talk about security software and abusing it. Guys, you got to remember, like... Like, this is something that you really should take away. First of all, yes, spear fish. So you got to educate end users on fishing and be careful of that. But 
regardless, dude, software is just software, right? We call it malware. We call it security software. We call it whatever. Paul Williams with a $10 super chat. Woo! Coming in hot, Paul. All right, so check it out, guys. Listen, so software is just software, right? It's just like a handgun. It doesn't, it can be used for good. It can be used for evil. It can be put on display. It can be a a anything. It's just a tool. So when we say malware, all we're doing is really classifying is like, this is software that does bad stuff. So if you have software that can allow. Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, Paul Williams, yes. So you can use software to install other technology, right? Like for example, if you do endpoint management and you use some type of um, like not solar winds, cause that's more visibility, but if you use some type of technology to push loads or apps to your endpoints, right? That same technology can be used to push malicious software to endpoints. That's all it is, right? So in this, um, in this story, they're talking about you know, some security software that's used to kind of um, intervene and take over actions. Because security software, if it's going to stop a process, quarantine a process, um, shut down something, disable network connections, all that crap, that is, you know, privileged access, right? But you have to give the software the ability to do that. That's that's how SOAR works, right? Security orchestration automation, right? This is how SOAR works. It has to have the permissions. But when you give software with that level of um functionality permissions you got to be protective of it or it will be weaponized against you right so that that's just a long long way of saying don't think that just because it's a righteous white hat you know software that helps you protect your environment the functionality needs to be thought of uh, objectively and then how can it be used and that's why y'all that's why protecting the credentials for systems like that, that's why not reusing credentials, that's why not giving everyone domain admin is so important, is because you can weaponize these things. And I'm not surprised that a sophisticated threat actor did that. White House organizes ransomware summit. The White House hosted its second international counter ransomware summit starting on October 31st, bringing together three dozen nations as well as private sector companies. The summit focused on how to make systems more resilient to attacks overall and disrupting threat actors in the planning stages. Private companies attending included Microsoft, Mandiant, CrowdStrike, and Palo Alto networks. The Biden administration cited the recent ransomware attack on the Los Angeles school district as a factor in deciding to call the summit now. Okay. Ed I mean, this is a cool idea. Um, you know, I would argue this is the second one. You know, I'd argue that, you know... <laughs> Maybe should have got this uh, in place a little sooner, right? Like ransomware, WannaCry dropped in March 2017. That I, ransomware existed prior to that, but WannaCry, in my opinion, put ransomware like on the map. Like, okay, mainstream media, people talking about it, politicians, you know, jawjacking about it. So for this to be the second in 2022, you know, I wish they were a little bit faster about this. I mean, Wanna, um, not WannaCry, Colonial Pipeline was 20. 20 like late 2020 i think right so anyways um the the good news is lots of countries are coming together uh you can see all these countries australia oi 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 uh, a bunch of european countries um asia's uh, representing in here so it's almost like worldwide wednesday on uh, simply cyber but <clears throat> the good news is different countries are coming together different industry partners the big ones right crowdstrike mandiant microsoft google palo alto they're all coming together and guys ransomware is an international concern right 
Ransomware threat actors, with with some exceptions, right? Like I'm not going to get into the whole political thing of um, of Eastern Europe and all that, but a lot of threat actors don't care if you're Costa Rican government or if you're the United States or if you're Australia. They they don't care. They don't care if you're a small business, a big business. They just want cash money, right, Randy? Cash, homie. Thank you, Randy. So they're just all about that. So in order to properly to protect and respond to it, you need an international coalition effectively to do it with any meaningful way. So I'm happy about this. Uh, I'll be curious, honestly, um, to see what kind of outputs come from this. You know, governments move really slow. Uh, when you bring in the private sector, hopefully it moves a little faster. I think it's interesting to note that CISA was not mentioned in this. The White House is, is kind of coordinating this, but you would think CISA would have their fingers in this pie. Um, so, you know, that might just be an omission on the AP news story and that CISA is actually involved. But um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but this is cool. I will tune into Outpost Gray CyberFed News Roundup on Friday. Um <clears throat> after this summit happens, because I'm sure there'll be information regarding that. EdTech company exposed user data. The Federal Trade Commission filed a complaint against the EdTech company Chegg, alleging careless security practices that compromise personal data. Based on the filing, these practices date back to 2017. In 2018, sensitive information on about 40 million customers became exposed after a former contractor accessed a third-party database. This included names, emails, passwords, sexual orientation, and parents' income. Since then, this dataset has appeared for sale online. The company also reportedly exposed information of employees, including social security numbers. The complaint chided Chegg for not requiring multi-factor authentication, storing personal data in plain text, a lack of any written security policy until 2021, and using outdated and weak encryption. Okay, get ready for this. That's a precursor to what's about to happen. First of all, like, okay, Chegg, you got exposed. Now, I'm not going to go too far in flipping out because they said a third party, uh, so like a professional services contractor or something like that, access the data. So if they even had multi-factor authentication, which they didn't, which by the way, what are you doing without multi-factor authentication? Shame, shame. But listen, even with multi-factor authentication, the third-party service provider or person, whoever this is, whoever this nosy, nosy little busy bee was that wanted to get into this database and access things they shouldn't have, they would have been able to multi-factor right through because they were an insider threat. Okay, so I'm not going to chide Chegg, chide Chegg for, um, for, for, for not having multi-factor. But yeah, like Nathan Bull in plain text, dude, wait, come on. It's trivial to encrypt data. Now, I will say, um, you know, you could say that data, uh, it's an extra level of, um, uh, of, of manual labor of using data tokenization or something like that. Because if you're accessing this data regularly, having it encrypted is kind of pain point because you still have to decrypt it, right? Having said that, they should have encrypted it. This contractor insider threat still would have been able to access that data technically. Here is where I get off the boat and start hurling Molotov cocktails at Chegg. Why, if you are a, an ed tech company, you're helping people learn, you're doing tutoring, whatever, right? What the hell are you collecting their sexual orientation and their religion for and their parents' income? What are you doing? Why do you need that information? 
Like, explain, like, why do you need that information? That's completely an overreach. And if they required you to uh, commit that information as part of the signup, I would be pissed. I'd be like, no. And then, like, I don't know Check from a hole in the wall. So I don't know if, like, some of these, like, um, um, like home, like homeschooling's like all the rage right now in the United States. There's like a lot of people doing it. So I don't know if Chegg is one of these platforms that like facilitates homeschooling. Uh, so maybe that's, maybe that's part of it, but it's just annoying. It's like, this is, you're exploiting. This is my problem. You're exploiting the customer in this way because you have something that they need and you're asking for additional information that does not matter. Why didn't you ask them what their kinks were too, Chegg? You know what I mean? Like, this is, it's annoying. And then you ask for this information and then you do a horrible job of protecting it. Like, and, and, and okay, 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 okay. And here's where I really lose my mind, okay? Here's where I really lose my mind. Where is it? In a statement to Engadget, Chegg says it treats data privacy as a top priority. Are you kidding me? Like, this is probably the most egregious version of post-breach, we take security and privacy quite seriously. It's laughable, Chegg. I'm, 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 I'm irritated, I'm agitated, I'm annoyed. Like, and, and what, 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 um, what punishment, what sanction? The FTC slapped him on the wrist, right? I didn't see anything about a fine. I didn't see anything about uh, identity theft protection, which is about as good as a slap in the mouth, right? At this point, because everybody has so much of it already. Like, this is just, I don't know. I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Like, 40 million customers check. So if each of them give you a dollar, which I'm sure you charge more than, you got $40 million in annual revenue. I think you can afford basic information security controls. Twitter exploring paid verification. According to documents seen by and sources speaking to The Verge, Elon Musk's Twitter wants to expand its existing Twitter Blue subscription into a more expensive offering that also verifies users. Currently, Twitter Blue costs $4.99 a month, and plans call for the expanded offering to cost $19.99. As currently constituted, already verified users would have 90 days to subscribe or lose their verified status. Musk reportedly informed employees working on the project that they must launch the feature by November 7th or lose their jobs. Twitter only recently reintroduced account verification after holding the process for review. It's generally meant to establish that a notable or famous person's account belongs to that actual person. It's unclear if paid verification changes that functionality. All right. So, you know, no surprise. Like, so I'm actually really conflicted. So let's just talk business okay let's just talk business simple simple i do not have a business degree i went to school for computer science i'm a nerd but i do uh, dabble business okay so basic 101 if you buy a business right in this case elon invests 44 billion dollars right but you could buy a business for five thousand dollars it doesn't matter when you invest five thousand or 44 billion you typically unless you're a complete fool you want to make more money than what you paid, right? So if you buy a business for five grand, you should have a plan to make at least $5,000 at some point, increase the value of the business and then sell the business maybe for a, a profit, right? That's, that's how it works. 
right? No one buys a business for $5,000 just to light it on fire and then LOL and then and then move on, right? Like th th that's not how capitalism works. That's not how business works. Now, granted, if you're ultra wealthy and you just buy a business on a flyer for five grand and then you, because you, because they like, you buy Joel Belton's ice cream shop, he's offering it for a hundred thousand dollars and you offer him a million and he's like, all right, I'll do it. And then you, because you got a bad scoop of ice cream at his ice cream shop, just cause you want to close it down. That's different. That's just like pissing money away because you can do it. Okay. But for business owners, this doesn't surprise me. Right? So Elon buys it for $44 billion. And he wants to start generating revenue because Twitter has been notoriously not profit uh, or revenue uh, generating or, or uh, profit positive. Okay. $20 a, a month for verification seems kind of expensive, but guys, how many people have you seen online that are like well-known people, right? Like Cyber Mentor comes to mind, right? Cyber Mentor has applied at least once, I think a couple times for the check mark on Twitter and he gets pushback. Uh, Rob Fuller, Mubix. Um, has applied for it. I think Shannon Morse has applied for it and not gotten it, right? These are people who are celebrities in our ecosystem, but Twitter doesn't say it, right? So there is desire to have that check mark because it gives you more trust, more authority. It's it, you are who you say you are, et cetera. So I could see them pay, like charging, like, hey, people want this, let's sell it, right? That's how business works. If someone wants something, you sell it, and then you make profit and, and whatever. So I could see this going up. Now, here's here's where it gets interesting. I could see, I don't know what their verification process is, but I could easily see threat actors weaponizing this because what the hell is $20 a month to a, a, like a, a cyber criminal? It's nothing. It's cost of doing business. In fact, it's quite cheap. So you could start getting these check marks, which is going to erode the confidence and the integrity in what the check mark indicates, because the check mark is supposed to be like, this is a real person who does real things, uh, you know, sports, celebrities, journalists, these type of people. So if you start selling the check mark, I really think it's just, it's going to be like near instantaneous where that process gets essentially hacked and check marks start showing up all over the place. And then the value of the check mark isn't what it was, right? It's part exclusivity, it's part authority, it's part. Uh, the integrity of what the check mark is. So I could see like all sorts of like hack reporters getting the check mark. And now when people say like, oh, blue check mark is reporting that whatever, right? That, you know, uh, I don't know, like the famous athletes been traded to famous uh, to this other team or whatever. And click here for more information. And it's a link to like a malicious watering hole site. It was got a blue check mark. It's got to be legit. Go, 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 go. Right. So I would expect that to happen. Um, but at the same time, I just want to point out that uh, in the macro picture, it looks like Twitter is straight up dumpster fire. I put it in chat, the little dumpster fire in the dog emote. Um, a lot of people are jumping off the ship uh, of the Twitter. I mean, I'm still using it right now, but Mastodon's looking good. Uh, a couple other platforms are looking good. Uh, so I, mean, I talked to my Aunt Donna earlier today. She told me that there's a lot of, she's already seen a lot of hate speech on Twitter. I haven't seen any of that, but there's there's that going on. Uh, so anyways, you know, Twitter charging for features, you know, no surprise. We'll see what it goes for in the long run, right? Obviously Twitter will do this. They'll have to do their annual reporting, 10 K filings. You'll get, you'll get reports on, on how this $20 a month thing, by the way, how do you guys feel about this? You've been working at Twitter. Elon comes in and says he's going to fire 75% of the staff. So lots of people have already jumped to Google, Facebook, Amazon. And the people who left behind are like, no, I believe in Twitter. And then he comes in and says, hey, you need this done by Saturday or you're fired. 
Like, yikes, right? Like, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, either do it or you're fired. <laughs> All right. Special shout out to my cousin Brian also. I heard that he's been um, um, slinking around in chat, kind of dormant watching. What do they call those? What do they call the people who like watch, but they don't comment in chat? There's a name. Um, and he's one of those right now. It's not a derogatory name. It's just, um, you know, okay, let's do the read. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Votero. UFOs are everywhere. They're in your applications, cloud storage, endpoints, and emails. That's right, UFOs, unidentified file objects, are hiding in files across your organization. UFOs can contain malware that exfiltrates data or deploys ransomware. And 70% of UFOs can't be detected by traditional scanning solutions like antivirus and sandboxing. That's where Votero comes in. Votero prevents UFOs before they hitch a ride in on files, without detection and without slowing down business. Do you believe? Learn more at votero.com slash UFOs. That's V-O-T-I-R-O dot com slash UFOs. All right, it's the mid-roll. All right, it's the mid-roll, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're enjoying the show. It's Classic Tuesday. This is what we do. Special thanks to shout out to David Meese. David Meese representing, uh, volunteered or submitted or donated 10 try hack me vouchers to the Simply Cyber community for the daily cyber threat briefings. We're doing two a day every day this week. IDK and Alexandra won yesterday. Alexandra, if you're in chat, you did not reach out to me on Discord. So uh, please do that this week or I will have to raffle off, you know, any unclaimed prizes I'll raffle off on Friday. Guys, enter chat, now, uh, enter raffle now if you'd like to win. THM, try hack me the initials. THM to enter the YouTube, uh, the raffle right now. THM, THM, let's do it. There it is. The Rich 464 knows what's up. Jared Pierpont's in. Jeremy Williams is in. All right, you guys are doing it. It's good. While that's queuing up, I just want to remind everybody, I talk about it pretty much every day because I'm really proud of it. If you guys are interested in getting a newsletter every single Monday morning that gives you actionable intel that you can leverage immediately, written by me, for you, probably a 45, 50 second read, huge value, guys. Give it a shot. Give it a checkout. All you need is drop your email address in here and I will email it to you, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. simplycyber.io slash newsletter is all you need to get into it. I want to let everybody know also, while we're queuing up, we got 61 people logged in right now. I just want to let everybody know that this got scheduled uh, today. Uh, okay. What is going on here? Like, can we move this? All right, so this, this, um, I can't, I don't know how to get Bob's face back here. Can we do this? Notify me. All right, so whatever. Um, this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. on Simply Cyber Live, the Thursday live stream show I do, we are actually bringing on, you guys are going to love this, Bob Gorley, okay? I wish I could um, get this thing off. Here, Bob Gorley. Guys, the guy runs Udacon. He's the CTO of Uda. 
um, which many of you might recognize from uh, cyber insecurity, the OODA loop. But guys, this guy is like OG. Like he's got a really, really interesting story. I, I met him at Black Hat and I had a follow-up call with him. And I'm when I say he cracked the original APT, I'm not being hyperbolic or facetious. This dude literally cracked he like i'm not saying it's exactly one-to-one cuckoo's egg cliff stole but this dude's got a really interesting story and he's just a really cool guy and we are gonna basically sit down grab a warm hot toddy and uh let this guy just weave a tail for us this thursday at 4 30 i'm super excited about this uh about this one so come join us simply cyber.io slash streams to find it all right looks like we've got our um entries here so let's oh my gosh we got our entries for try hack me vouchers so let's do that right now let's pick good luck to everybody who entered 66 of you good luck y'all all right infosec kid infosec kid wins a try hack me nice job infosec kid now here comes number two. Good luck to our other member. Jared Pierpoint. Nice guys. Two squad members bringing the heat. Good luck to you guys. Wonderful job. Connect with me on Discord to get your prizes, guys, okay? Telegram disables private channels on iOS. Telegram founder Pavel Durov said on his Instagram channel that Apple claimed it wouldn't allow content creators to use third-party payment methods. Telegram allows content creators to offer access to channels or posts through a paywall that users can pay for with a third-party payment method, bypassing Apple's in-app purchasing system and commission. As a result, Durov said Telegram must disable paid posts and channels on its iOS app. Apple recently changed its App Store guidelines to state that social media page boosts, a form of advertising, must use Apple Pay. Interesting. So this is kind of cool. A lot of people using Telegram. Um, Apple charges a, you know, 30% taste uh, for uh, apps, purchases, uh, money in the store, over a million dollars. This is famously why Epic is not available. Fortnite, is uh, Fortnite, the game, the really popular game, is not available on iOS. Or at least it, it was taken down. I think it's still not available. Because Fortnite is a free-to-play game and all the transactions were being made in the Fortnite platform and that's how it makes its you know billion dollars on Fortnite which is not through the App Store and Apple was super pissed about it right so Apple pushed back and Epic said you know suck it like they just pulled out Telegram's got the same thing here because um a bit, apparently I don't know how people are doing this but people are posting uh in their Telegram chat ways to uh you know buy things or whatever and Apple's not getting a taste of it, so Apple's pissed off and now pushing back on Telegram. And Telegram is like, fine, uh, we're going to disable it inside our Telegram channel. So this might be one of those reasons to go on Android or to use Android because you'll be able to continue to do this, but you won't be able to do it in Telegram. Again, I don't fully understand um, the revenue generation model here. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, I don't even understand how people find Telegram channels that have you know tens of thousands of people in them like i i i have a couple that i subscribe to but someone told me about them like i don't know if there's like a storefront or like a telegram chat channel search engine or something like that but long story short apple's flexing 
in a financial way on, you know, entrepreneurs, small businesses and stuff, and they don't like it. So I, I feel that pain. Squad, squad membership, guys. Google takes 30% of all squad uh, support. So, you know, <laughs> I, den I genuinely appreciate the squad support and glad you guys want to be part of the squad. But I, I know that taste for 30%. I know what it feels like. And it's, uh, it's like, ah, uh, okay, all right. Most customers would leave retailers after a data leak. According to an Akamai survey of UK customers, 59% of respondents said they would leave a retailer if they suffered a major cybersecurity compromise. The same amount of respondents said they would advise friends and family to also avoid that retailer as a result. Just under half of respondents, 49%, said they just don't trust retailers to keep data safe in general. Customers, though, may not have much of a choice in retailers if this survey carries over into practice. A Sophos study last month found ransomware attacks compromised 77% of global retailers. 76% of respondents expected retailers to approach cybersecurity by focusing on data protection and security tooling, rather than with something like educational campaigns. Okay, so I'm going to push back a little bit on this story. Okay, so it, most online shoppers would leave a retailer following a breach. Now, what they did say in the story that's kind of funny is like, okay... But 75% of all retailers have been involved in a breach. So most online shoppers would not have the option to leave a retailer following a breach because all retailers are having breaches, right? Effectively, that's what the story is saying. Here's where I would even dig deeper and push further, right? Let's just for a second pretend, okay? Let's just, let's just be real for a second, okay? Let's pretend Amazon has a breach, okay? Who, who is going to stop using Amazon? They have baked themselves in into having the most convenient, easy to get, prime, all this. Like, like you would have to do something egregious to get me to stop using Amazon. Okay. Now, it's fine to say, like, oh, hey, like guy on the street, if you got if if a company that you bought from had a breach, would you still use them? Hell no. Like, cause that's the only that's the only retribution you have is to stop spending your money with that retailer. That's the only way the consumer can influence power on not being happy with the product, with the company, with the situation, right? We see it all the time when like a company comes out and has like some political position that doesn't align with your views. And you say, I'm going to start using this. People are doing it right now with Twitter, right? People are like, oh, Musk owns Twitter. I don't agree with Musk. I'm going to stop using Twitter, right? People are doing it all the time. Now, Push comes to shove. You can have that opinion on the street, but when it comes time to make a decision and it's the holiday season's around the corner and you're like, I absolutely don't agree with Jeff Bezos. Hell no, no. All right, well, you know, it's Christmas. Time to get some gifts. Well, you know, whatever. I'll just, this time I'll buy from Amazon. You know what I mean? Like it's fine, unless you don't like their product, right? Honey baked hams. Well, I became a vegetarian. And I don't like their their uh, data uh, handling practices. So I'm not going to buy honey-baked hams anymore. Yeah, no problem. Like, you don't even eat ham. You see what I'm saying? So I feel like there's two things here. There's what a person will say in the moment, and then there is the decision they will make when presented with the decision, right? Everybody's going to say, oh, like, you know, I don't like it, and this is the only way I can respond. So we'll see. The gross hidden gem here is that 75% of retailers worldwide have been compromised. That seems grossly high, doesn't it? 75% worldwide? 
it doesn't even make sense to me, honestly. Like 99% of all businesses in the US, this is true fact, 99% of all businesses in the United States are small businesses, right? I have to imagine many are retailers. Joe Belton's Ice Cream is a retail shop. So, you know, I, I, 75% seems high. I'd almost want to, uh, with all due respect, fact check that and figure out where those information, where that name uh, information came from, right? Because uh, it seems high. All right. India oh, introducing the CBDC. The final thing, if you work in retail, you should definitely, um, if you work in retail, you should absolutely carve this article out and share it with your management as, hey, our customers, the people who pay our bills and keep the lights on, say that they will leave following a breach, right? Now, you don't have to take my rant about how they would probably still shop there anyways, but you can use it as an opportunity to leverage management to let them know that, hey, you know, we should put MFA in or we should do, uh, you know, whatever controls we're missing. Pilot. The Reserve Bank of India will launch a wholesale central bank digital currency pilot as of November 1st. The State Bank of India, HSBC, and Union Bank of India are among the nine banks participating at this initial phase. The digital rupee will be used for the settlement of secondary market transactions in government securities with reduced transaction costs. A retail pilot will launch within a month at select locations, and that retail pilot will involve closed user groups of customers and merchants. Okay. Whatever. India's the first. You know, China's working on it pretty hard. Of a, of a national cryptocurrency, right? So, hold on. Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Finfrock loves it. Okay, guys, here's the deal. Oh, can I get some Finfrocks in chat, please? Uh, emotes here. Let me, I'll throw a couple in myself. Finfrock. Listen, guys. The whole point of cryptocurrency was to, or Bitcoin's original white paper, was to decentralize finance and allow individuals, the populace, to, to do peer-to-peer -peer transactions and not have like, essentially oversight or regulation or, or government um, you know, getting their fingers all up in your pie. And you know, it, it's proven enough now that people are using it. There's huge money into it, obviously. India, like, so now the governments are like, oh God, this, this cryptocurrency thing has, has legs. We should get in front of it. We should get on it so then we can control it. That's what's happening in here. India, huge country, billions of citizens, or at least hundreds of millions of citizens. They're going to push out their own crypto, which the government will control. This is literally no different than having paper money right? You're just, you're just making it digital, right? Now, there are some differences with the blockchain and, and all this and the way that you, you would you know, push it into the environment and educate end users on how to use it. But at the end of the day, it's controlled by the government, the same as the paper money. And you know, that's what they're doing. China's working on one for the same reason, right? This, to me, all this is saying, and it's so obvious, is this is just a, a, a play for the federal government of whatever country to get back in front of the economics and the money of the country because guys great cash homie money like money Justin Gold right is it Justin Gold in chat Wu-Tang said it best right cash rules everything around me cream guys cash rules everything around me so being able to control the money being able to control the flow of the money being able to generate money these are all things that the government wants because you know what the government likes? Power. 
You know how they stay in power? By controlling the things and having access to the things that wield power. And money is definitely one of them. Instagram having some issues. Many Instagram users received notifications that accounts were suspended. This occurred seemingly without any change in user behavior that would warrant the suspension. People also reported seeing user not found errors, while others said they were asked to provide feedback to Instagram in order to log in. Suspended accounts cited violations of community guidelines. It's not clear if users should go through Instagram's suspension appeals process to regain access or wait until Instagram fixes something on their end. Users able to log in also noticed reduced subscriber numbers, although it's not clear these two are related. Instagram acknowledged the issues and said it began investigating. Yeah, okay. So, I don't know if... Thank you so much, Justin Gold, for both the Super Chat and the Cream. I've got Cream queued up. We'll do a little bit, but I'm sure uh, it will go like five seconds before Wu-Tang will say, <laughs> protect your deck. Yes, yes, the whole Wu-Tang. Trust me, guys, I wish I could play uh, Enter the Wu on stream, but it's just not suitable for work in any capacity. Thanks so much, Jeremy Williams. All right, so bunch of users, Instagram. Um, you know, I don't what? know. Did we just become best friends? Yep. I don't know what's causing uh, this. They don't know. Um, you know, it could be a, a misconfiguration problem, some type of throttle, some type of uh, security control that was put in place. And instead, and someone thought it was minutes, but instead it was seconds. So they put in six seconds instead of six minutes. So um, these things got logged out. It, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's a major thing. It's just an inconvenience. Um, oh, 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 this is suspension. I'm sorry. I thought it was like uh, their account was like um, locked out. Yeah, this is kind of unfortunate. Uh, it gives you 30 days to do it. Whatever. <clears throat> Whatever. This is just one of those things. It's not really... Uh, damning the only way okay so let's put this into infosec and, and and weaponize this a little bit if there was a way to actually suspend an account right it would be interesting right before midterm elections uh right you know as an account launches with some type of fundraiser element um to suspend the account which then you could actually start doing a misinformation campaign on why the account was suspended you can't go back and look at it right so maybe uh, you could say, oh, they wrote something racist or something, um, you know, a for abortion, against abortion, what, whatever it was. And you could start kind of weaponizing it from an information, uh, social engineering uh, perspective. So looks like the issue has been resolved. It was a bug. It was a bug, which is pretty cool. And as I thought, it has something to do with some variable. So like if you just get a ton of followers really quick, it might think that you're a bot account and they're suspending you. So Long story short, not not crazy, but. Thanks for listening to today's cybersecurity headlines. All right. So I guess that's going to do it. We'll do cream for a hot minute here. Well, and instantly not allowed. Oh, geez. Okay. So that lasted, <laughs> that, that lasted two words. So uh, unfortunately, um, I've got a cold chill in my body now. I wish I had not hit that play button, but that's going to do it for, let's do this. So please enjoy the stream, team replay. I might, I might pull the stream down. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I'm definitely gonna have to flag this as uh, inappropriate, like adult content now. All right, so guys, that's gonna do it for the stream. I want to remind everybody that this Thursday we're gonna be inviting uh, Bob Gorley from Uda on here, so no big deal. Um, 
We're at 1044. Had a couple minutes late. I had an incident at CBS before I came here. Involved me having to back up out of a drive-thru, which was a hot, hot mess on fire. I want to thank all of you guys. Remember, tomorrow is Worldwide Wednesday, so we will be doing Daft Punk to launch the show. We will be uh, trying to uh, represent the whole world. So if you got a chance, if you're in Uganda, if you're in Australia, if you're in Zimbabwe, Brazil, Luxembourg, try to make the live tomorrow and see if we can run the, run the continents. It'll be fun. All right, guys? I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber. This is the Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Thank you for all you do. Super chats, the camaraderie, the good times. You guys are the best. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Cheers, everybody.